Father, we give you glory. Thank you for the blood that was shed for us. Thank you for your precious blood. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you glory. We bless you, O God. Give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Happy Easter to see you all. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, we're going to read from verse number 1 through to verse number 12. Luke chapter 24, verse number 1 through to 12. The Bible says that now on the first day of the week, uh, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spice which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hand of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his word. Then they returned to, from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed and marveling to himself at what had happened. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God. Traditionally, when we talk about Easter, Good Friday, we, we, we like to focus on the crucifixion and the death of Jesus Christ because it reminds us of the price that Jesus paid. Hallelujah. But today, I want us to go past the cross. I want us to focus on what the angels said. You know, I'll come back to it, but I want us to focus. The subject title is, Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? The angels asked the, the, the women, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Hallelujah. But as I was saying, traditionally, we, we talk about the, the, the death of, of Jesus Christ on the cross because that is the main bane of our Christianity. Without the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no Christianity. Because it, Christianity becomes like any other religions of do's and don'ts without the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, as, as, as I was saying, we, we are reminded of, of the crucifixion and we are reminded of the blood that was shed. Turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 9. I want us to look at from verse 16 to 22. Hebrews chapter 9, 16 to 22. The Bible says that in the 
case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. It is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet, wool, and branches of hyssop and sprinkled the, sprinkled the scroll and all the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded to you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in, the, in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for our sins. Hallelujah. You see, so as I was saying, the, 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 the will, uh, the will in, in can never come into effect if Jesus hasn't died. If the one who, is, who has written the will is alive, then you have no will to benefit from. Hallelujah. Which means that the benefit of the cross is not in effect for us if Jesus has not died. That is why it's very important for us to remember the death of Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of people pay particular, they, they, they put emphasis on, on the birth of Jesus Christ. But I tell you that as a Christian, the emphasis should be on the crucifixion and the resurrection. Because that is what gives us all that we enjoy as Christians. That is what gives us the benefits of the will. You know, the, the, the Bible says that he had died. He had been put in the cemetery. He had been put in the grave. And on the third day, the women ran, into, ran to, normally as they do, they, they prepare spices and then they go to the graveyard and they go to embalm the body that has been lying dead for, for three days. They go to prepare the body, embalm it. They go three days and then they go, I think, seven days after the death. They do these rites that they do. But the Bible says that when they went, the stone had been rolled away. You know, I was wondering, I was thinking about it, and I was asking myself, why was the stone rolled away? Was the stone rolled away to enable Jesus to get out of the grave? Or was the stone rolled away to enable us to come into the grave to see Jesus risen? Think about it. The stone was not removed for Jesus to rise out of the grave. He didn't need the stone being removed for him to come out. He is God by himself. For, for death could not hold him captive. Even in the grave, he is Lord. But the, the stone was rolled away to enable you and I to become partakers of his resurrection. The stone was rolled away so that we can come and see that he is not dead, but he is alive. He is alive, amen. He is alive. Jesus is alive forever. So the Bible says the stone was removed and then they went in. And they saw an empty grave. And whilst they stood there perplexed, wondering whether they had removed the body, the Roman soldiers had removed the body and taken it somewhere, whether somebody had come to steal the body, as they were wondering what had happened, the angel stood by them. And the angel said, Why do you seek 
the living among the dead. Why do you seek the living among the dead? You see, we have a lot of benefits that Easter gives us. Traditionally, let, let's talk about it. A lot of benefits that uh, we, we get from the will that he left. The first thing is that mankind is free from the power and the pool and punishment of sin. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. So anybody who sins must die. And Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says that for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Which means that every one of us deserve that punishment that Jesus took on our place, on our behalf. You see, so when we talk about the, 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 the crucifixion, we talk about the death of Jesus, we talk about the benefit or the will that we have, we know that the pool of sin and the punishment that is supposed to follow, the wages of sin is death. It means that we have to die. But then Easter enables you and I to evade that punishment. The second thing that mankind is free from, from death is no longer the final. The, the, the second thing that death is no longer the final destination of man. See, before Jesus' death and resurrection, everyone that died had no hope. Because death was the final nail. Which means that it doesn't matter whether you, you go to the doctors, you, you know, you... You, you try to exercise and everything. The final nail is that you will die. First Corinthians 15, verse 54 and 55. The Bible says that, So when the, the corruptible has put on incorruptible, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Verse 56 says that, and the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. He came to abolish the law, to remove the sting, the strength of sin. He came to remove, he, he rose again to give us victory over death. Oh, death, where is your sting? You know, another thing, the third thing that is the benefit of Easter is that it gives us a way to heaven. It gives us open access to heaven. The Bible says, not only does our sinful nature place a death sentence on our life, but our sinful nature separates us from God because God is holy and God cannot accept sinful people into heaven to be with him. So, that, that death, sin, the punishment separates us from God. But Jesus comes as a propitiation for our sins. He takes us our sins and he removes our sins from us and presents us to God as holy people so that we can have access to God, so that we can have, you and I can become intertwined with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Bible says that for he made known, he, for he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. 
We are now the righteousness of God. Not because we are, we, are, we are so, so, so special. Not because we are so sinless. But because he has made us righteous. He has removed our filthy clothes. And he has given us a new robe of righteousness to put on. The fourth thing that Easter benefits us is that Easter gives us the free access to the Father through Jesus. The Bible says that in, in, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, and then behold, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. When he said it was finished at 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon, the Bible says that the rope, the curtain that separated the holies of holies, to the holy place. You know, the, the priest, the high priest could only enter once every year. And he, that he had to put, a, they had to put a belt, a, a rope around his waist. And he goes in to make atonement for our sins. Sometimes when he went in, he died. So when he died and the bell, they hung a bell around his waist. So as he's moving and doing atonement, the bell is ringing. Then everybody, those behind can know that he's alive. But when the bell stops, it means that he's not moving. They, they, they felt that he had died. So they pulled the rope because nobody could enter. They pulled the rope out and they pulled his dead body out. Then the next year, Another priest will go. And the Bible says anytime they went and did, the priest will go with, with the, all the sins of the, the whole community is put on a, on a, in the bull and then the blood of the bull is presented by the priest to the holies of holies. But when Jesus died, the Bible says that it was no longer necessary for us to require a high priest to go in there to make atonement. We ourselves can go in ourselves to make reconciliation with the father we ourselves can go and have conversation with the father we didn't need to go through anyone therefore there's now no condemnation to them that are in christ jesus hallelujah but that is the benefit of easter that is not what i wanted us to focus on today today my question is that why do we seek the living among the dead in these days of COVID-19, in these days of uh, uh, lockdown, coronavirus, everybody's scared. Everybody's, you know, losing their faith. Everybody's saying that, where is God in all these things? If there's a God, why has he abandoned us? Why has he forsaken us? If there's a God, why is God not showing up? It is like going into the graveyard to look for a dead body. Nobody goes into the graveyard to have a date with a living person. Nobody does that. Hallelujah. Why would the angels ask this question? Why would they ask, why seek the living among the dead? Well, they ask the question because these women hadn't come looking for a living Jesus. Remember, these women were there when Jesus was crucified and died. Remember, they were there when Jesus was plucked out of the, uh, the, the cross and put on the ground. They were there. Remember, they were there when they put the, the linen cloth around him. They were there. 
They were there when they carried the stiff body of Jesus from the cross to the grave. They were there. When the, 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 the tomb, the, the tomb, borrowed tomb was used as his final resting place, they were there. So why do they come looking for anything but a dead Jesus? This question is legitimate because what is a good savior who has been slaughtered? What is a good king who has been killed? What is a good friend and master and lord who has been murdered? What good is it? If Jesus remains dead, then we have believed in vain. If Jesus remains dead, then even though we benefit from the will of the dead Jesus, it doesn't really help our cause. Hallelujah. I said, if Jesus has remained a dead Jesus, then our Christianity is pretty weak. Our salvation is pretty shallow. It doesn't mean that we don't have salvation. It doesn't mean that we don't have all the, all the things, the benefits of the will. No. But then it, we are very shallow. I don't know whether you've ever seen anybody who has benefited from the will of a dead person. You know, when you see somebody who is benefited from the will of a dead person, if the person doesn't strive to add to what they received from the dead person, that thing that finishes. If it's a house, the house decays. If it's a car, the car gets spoiled. If it's uh, money, the money will get finished. Because once the person is dead, it means that he's not producing anymore. And if it's not producing anymore, then what you have that you are enjoying is only for a moment. I'm, I'm not making sense to you. It's only going to be there for a little while and it will be finished. But if you have a living Jesus, then what you are benefiting from, believe me, it, it goes from grace to grace, from glory to glory. It goes from one level to the higher level. So it's better to have a living Jesus than a dead Jesus. I don't know whether I heard you say amen, but I want you to shout amen in your rooms. The angels were telling that you are looking at the wrong place. You are looking at the wrong place for the right thing. You are looking at the wrong place for the wrong thing. Hallelujah. Wrong place because you don't find the living among the dead. Wrong thing because you are looking for a dead savior when you should be looking for a living savior. The women were looking for the wrong thing. On the face of it, the angels' question was very puzzling. Why do you seek the living among the dead? They had seen the body of Jesus. Dead. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 and 21, the Bible says that, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. So you see, to have a living Jesus gives us the first benefit of a living Jesus is that he makes, 
He becomes the firstborn of the resurrection, which means that you and I, guess what? When we die, we are going to rise. A living Jesus assures us of the hope of the resurrection in Christ. Blessed are those who die in Christ, for they shall rise again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14 to 19, Bible says that, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we have found false witness of God. We are found as false witness of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not rise up, raise up. If, if, in fact, the dead did not rise. For if the dead did not rise, then Christ is not risen. For if Christ is not risen, our faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pity, pitiable. Hallelujah. We are pitiful if there's no resurrection. The, the third thing I want you to know about the, 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 the reason why a living Jesus is more important than anything else is that it is the resurrection of Jesus that makes us who we are. It is, the it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are who we are. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, the Bible says that, For if we do not have a high priest, for we do not have a high priest who cannot, be, who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted at all points, in all things, as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hallelujah. Bible is saying that we have a high priest that can, that can be, we, we, we cannot touch. If we cannot touch him, then it's not real. But if we can touch him, he has walked the way that we are walking. The Bible says that he, he was tempted at all points and yet without sin. He knows that we are weaknesses. And he is the one who goes to make intercession. You see, in those days, the high priest that goes to the Holy of Holies, he himself is sinful. So he is atoning for himself and then atoning for us. Sometimes by the time he's finished, he's finished atoning for, for, for himself, he's already dead. Which means that our sin has not been forgiven. So we have to try again another year. Hallelujah. But, but when you have a sinless high priest who has walked the way we are walking and yet without sin, when he goes, there's no need for him to atone for his sins. So he spends the time atoning for us. And the Bible says he is not a dead person. He's a living person, which means that consistently he's atoning for our sins. And it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we as Christians have so much to offer the world. As he lives, we are filled, even though we are in a world filled with bitterness and doubt, an empty, an empty tomb speaks of faith. An empty tomb speaks of God's grace. An empty tomb speaks of the fact that he has defeated death. Sickness, coronavirus, COVID-19, he has defeated it. An empty tomb make, means that he is stronger than, than, than anything that can kill this body. 
And that makes us, as Christians, have something to offer the world. In these days that everybody is afraid, fear has taken over faith. I want you to know on this Good Friday that an empty grave is there to prove that our Savior lives. An empty grave is there to prove that he has overcome anything that can cause your death. An empty tomb stands to prove that we as Christians, we have the message. We have an answer and a solution to anything that causes death. This is not a time to be afraid of death. This is not a time to be afraid of, 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 of the fear of, of, of a helpless savior, a dead savior. No, no. This is a time for us to walk in confidence that we have a high priest. We have a savior. See, we are surrounded by a lot of people going through depressions and desperation. You know, yes, yesterday I was walking. I went to do a little bit of exercise and I was walking down and I walked past my neighbor's house. This neighbor lost um, the wife some time ago and I saw him sat down by himself and I was very, I was heartbroken. You know, as I walked past, I was heartbroken and I was asking myself, how would it feel at this time of quarantine season to be at home by yourself alone without any interaction with anybody? feeling all alone, feeling depressed, feeling, you know, you know, even in, in, in the prison, in the prison, if you commit an offense in prison and you want, they want to punish you, what they do is they put you in isolation. So the prison of the prison is isolation. So when you are a single person being isolated, it means that you are being punished twice. But let me tell you, with Jesus in your room, with Jesus in your camp, you are no longer isolated. You are no longer destitute. You are no longer alone. He is there with you. Jesus is in your house. Jesus is, is in your room. This is not a time to feel depressed. This is the time to rejoice because of a risen Savior. We are surrounded by people filled with with, with, with stress, with sorrow, with fear. But let Easter bring faith into your home. Let Easter bring faith into your life. Let the resurrection of Jesus make you confident of this fact that you are never alone. An empty tomb tends worried people about punishment into a people focused on praise. A lot of people are worried about, would I be the next to catch the disease? Would I be the next to suddenly die? Yesterday, I was told a, a, a friend of my sister just suddenly died. Friend of she was she was well. She was walking about. Suddenly, she just fell. COVID-19, she's gone. So a lot of people are afraid. But I came to tell you, listen, this is not a time to be afraid. This is a time to walk in the blessed assurance that Jesus is in our boats. The resurrection is what Christianity is all about. If you take the resurrection out of our faith, all we have is do's and don'ts, like any other religion. Any other religion that doesn't have a risen 
prophet or a risen savior is a religion of do's and don'ts. No resurrection, no Christianity. The resurrection is the core of all the promises that God has made. It hinges on the triumph that Jesus has over the grave. Every promise we have in Christ hinges on that fact. And I want us to focus on it. I want us to focus on the solution to every problem we have. Solution of death, solution of depression, solution of of, of frustration. It's the fact that he is risen in glory. And because he's risen in glory, you and I have a hope. We have a future. Without a living Jesus, we do not have an advocate to make intercession for us. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22 to 25, the Bible says, By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. He doesn't have to be replaced because he's not dying anytime soon. Therefore, verse 25, he is not he's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. If you come to him, he will make intercession for you today, in five years' time, in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time. He keeps making intercession. This is the reason why we must look for a living savior instead of a dead one. This is not a time to look for a living. You see, sometimes as Christians, we look for a living, a dead savior. When we read the Bible, we don't put it in the present now. We put it in the past. That makes the, the, the savior a dead savior. He saved others, but what about you? He was there for, for the blind man of uh, blind man of Bartimaeus. He was there for him. He was there for the, the uh, widow of Nain's um, son. He was there for others. But we just read it in passing. And we cannot connect that he's still living. So in our situation, we must bring him from the Bible into our situation. He's the God of yesterday, God of today, and God of tomorrow. That Jesus, Jesus is the savior of yesterday, he's the savior of today, and he'll be the savior of tomorrow. So do not seek for a dead savior. It's time to seek for a risen savior. Now the last thing is looking at the right place. These women were looking at the wrong place. Looking for a dead Jesus in a wrong place. A wrong place. Why do I call it a wrong place? A wrong place because they were looking at the graveyard. Listen, there's something about the graveyard I want you to know. The graveyard is a place of regret. The graveyard is a place of untapped potential. The graveyard is a place where people wish they could roll back the hand of the clock. The graveyard is a place where People's lives, the misery of people's lives are declared. Here lies the remains of Brother X, born on so-so and so date, lived a hopeless life, and died. 
I don't know about, about you, but I like to, when I go to the cemetery, I like to read the, the things, inscription on the tombstones. I like to do that all the time. When I, anytime I go past any graveyard, I want to read, here lies the remains of X. He was born on this such and such a date, and then he died. Sometimes you say he was born, he became this, he became that. In a few sentences, you can see that there is a summary of a life well led, lived, and then death. But then when you see some, some people, you can tell that this is just he lived, he breathed, he worked, he died. That's all. The angels were explaining that everything that had happened was actually part of the plan from the beginning. They were telling the women, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten that he told you that he had to go through the cross so that you can have a good life? Then the Bible said, and then they remembered. Hallelujah. Thank God that they remembered. Thank God. Bible verse 8. And they remembered. Say, saying this, this is what the, uh, the verse 6 says that, and he's not here but risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in, still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on third day rise again. And they remembered his word. I pray that today you remember. I say, I pray that today you remember that Jesus is risen. And this is all the crucifixion, everything was part of the plan. Listen, what you are going through is part of the plan. It's part, without a test, there's no testimony. Without going through sickness, you will never know Jesus as a healer. Without going through a time of difficulty, you would not know God as a victorious one. So this is part of the plan. The son of God is willing, willingly came down. He lived a life as a man. The Bible says he, he did not think it robbery to be equal with man, but he took the form of sinful man and he came to the earth. He left the throne of grace, descended on earth, walked around like a mere man, and he died the common death of all sinful men. In fact, he died the worst one. He died as a, a, like a thief, a robber. The Bible says that he was hung between two thieves. And one of the people, one of the thieves who was on the cross looked at him and said that if you say you are the son of God, why don't you get out from this place and save us also? Save yourself and save us also. And the other one rebuked him and said that, do you not know that this is a, sin, a sinless man? You and I deserve to die because we have done what we, uh, uh, we, are, we are serving our just punishment. But this man has no sin. And he turned and said to him, Lord, remember me when you go into paradise. And the Bible says that Jesus said to the man, Today, you shall be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. What a glorious, what a glorious way to get out of this world. After living all the worst life, 
just by one statement, you open yourself up to victory. Lord, if you can, remember me in paradise. See, this man, even though he was in the, on, on his death cross, he was looking for the Savior at the right place. He was not like Mary and the other women looking for a dead Jesus or a dead Savior in the graveyard. He was looking for a living Savior even on the cross. Today, if you can look at the right place, you will see Jesus. If you can look at the right place, you will see him. Are you looking at the right place for the right thing? As we bow our heads, I want you to remember to look for Jesus at the right place. The right place is in your heart. The right place where Jesus is the Lord and the Master is in your heart. I want you to bow your heads and say, Lord Jesus, this afternoon, I look for you. I know you are a risen Savior. I know you are in the right place. I look to you. Come into my heart. Come and be the Lord and the master of my life. From today, I will serve you and you alone. Thank you for dying on the cross to save me. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. Thank you that you rose again. Most of all, that you rose again. And because you are risen, I have victory over death. 